Hello and welcome to the next episode of Listen Closely. I'm Chris on the West Coast. John, are you there on the East Coast? I am here on the East Coast, Chris. Excellent. How are things three hours behind my world? They're delightful. I don't know what will happen like you do being in the future, but uh, yeah, <laughs> things are good here. How, how are you doing? In the words of the late, great Leonard Cohen, I've seen the future, baby, and it's murder. Um, so, but exactly. let's not talk about that right now. Yeah, we've, uh, we've, got a good, uh, we've got a good show today, John. A little something different. Oh, do we ever. And we have a lot to cover. So uh, what do you say we put the spaghetti in the machine and let's just jump right into it, shall we? Go for it. All right. So, Chris, I know this sounds hard to believe, but June 19th marks the 25th anniversary of our having graduated high school. Wow. Uh, I know. And uh, as shocking as that may sound, even more shocking is the fact that I graduated high school. It is. Uh, it is, yes. Now, I, I don't typically stop and look back at high school all that much or try to relive it. I, I just don't. I don't go to it in my mind. I don't wish to really revisit it all that often. Now. It, if it were my mid-20s, that would be a different story. I'm always trying to relive those and always trying to chase those. But uh, as you and I discussed several weeks ago, we thought it would be a, a nice opportunity on this auspicious and maybe suspicious occasion uh, in this episode of Listen Closely to take a brief look back on not simply graduating high school, but more so the music and the times of that crazy summer of 1995. And uh, I'm sure you would agree that uh, it's insane to think that this was 25 years ago. It's, uh, it's deeply disturbing, to be honest. Um, it is. Uh, and that was a, a truly bizarre period for music, I would say. It is, and we'll get into that momentarily. And I thought that since this was such a an auspicious and disturbing occasion, as you put it. Uh, it, it seemed only right that we, we bring a third person into this. <laughs> I'm sorry, but as I said that, I realized that sounds really disturbing. Are we gonna have, um, as long as we have a safe word, I think I'm okay with this. <laughs> you know, I've, I've said this to women uh, before in relationships and, you know, usually they hit me, but one or two were okay with it. Um, <laughs> You know, there's a handful of people from high school that, uh, that I keep in touch with on a regular basis, and uh, you, of course, are one of them. Uh, but tonight we're joined by another one, uh, and I'm thrilled to have him here. And he's been uh, someone we've known for close to three decades when you think about it. He was a classmate of ours. He and I actually worked for the same organization for eight years. Um, in addition to being a walking, talking encyclopedia of 90s pop culture and music, uh, the man is himself an incredibly talented singer-songwriter. And as you may recall, Chris, um, during our senior year of high school, he formed a band that was light years ahead of any run-of-the-mill high school band. He was one half of the creative partnership and driving force behind the band. Uh, the other half of that partnership was a fellow by the name of John Mayer, who went on to some minor success here and there. Um, but perhaps most importantly, our guest on this episode of Listen Closely has been a great, great friend of ours for more than a quarter of a century. Uh, so it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show 
the one and only, our dear friend, Joe Belesne. Joe, thank you for being here with us. Joe. Hey, guys. How are you guys? Sorry, I was just on the phone with Mayor. Actually, he just got furloughed. So, you know, I wish him the best. I'm hoping he can get the job back. It's, it's tough he for was, everybody, you know? It times is, are hitting hard, yeah. Do you think he might want a guest spot on the show next week? It's possible. Uh, I told him right. Pier 1 Imports is not, is not the most secure job to have. But, um, you know... They're doing a blowout sale, I guess, so he'll, he'll get back there. Joe, well, thank you. Before we get too far into it, Joe, can you confirm the rumors that uh, the body mentioned in Your Body is a Wonderland, is that, that's a reference to you, correct? <laughs> <laughs> it's either me or it's the kid that played Elliot in E.T. <laughs> it's or one e. of the, It could be E.T., definitely. <laughs> thank you guys for having me. <laughs> So, Joe, it, it, as, as we said a moment ago, it's crazy to think it's been 25 years. Uh, d does it feel like 25 years to you? God, I don't know. When somebody says 1995 to me, to me, that's three years ago still. So it's, it's very insane. confusing. It's very and confusing. It is. And I found myself, as I was prepping for, for this episode, I started to go back and, and think more about 1995. And not simply about graduating high school and, and things like that, but really to look at the music of 1995. And it was a crazy time. It was a weird time for music. In July of 95, the great Lenny Kravitz released the first single off his long-awaited album, Circus. The title of the single was rather ominous and foreboding. Do you guys remember what it was? No. Was it, are you going to go my way? No. <laughs> no. It was... <laughs> Rock and roll is dead. Oh. And at the time, I thought it would be a rather silly statement, especially coming from Lenny Kravitz. You know, to the 18-year-old me, rock and roll seemed to be alive and well. But here we are, 25, century, 25 centuries, 25 <laughs> years later, looking back, and I think he may have been onto something. Now, while rock and roll may not have been dead, it was, you know, let's say in like a medically induced coma. <laughs> uh, incidentally, that single of his, Rock and Roll is Dead, flopped. It peaked at only number 75 on the Billboard Hot 100. So wow. we need to think about what was going on in, in, in pop music, or popular music at that time. Grunge was dead, right? That was for certain. Uh, I, I was never a huge grunge fan, but there was no denying the impact that the music had in the 90s. But Cobain's suicide in April of the previous year signals kind of kind of the end of that brief influential time of music. Uh, the, the Brit pop rock wave had yet to crash on the American shores. It would be later in 95 and into 96 that we got a taste of Oasis and Blur as being um, major superstars. So what you really had with rock was strange because you had that sort of roots rock, neo-hippie jam band revival. Uh, you know, uh, Dave Matthews, Blues Traveler, neither of whom I was a huge fan of, or Fish, same thing, uh, although I did like the Black Crows at that time. Um, and then speaking of, of hippie music, Jerry Garcia dies in the middle of the summer in 95. So that kind of threw a lot of those hippies for a loop. In, in a word, I would call mid-90s music a junk drawer of music. 
So then that takes us to summer in 95. And I'm thinking, what the hell were people listening to? Aside from Roll to Me by Delamitri, which incidentally, <laughs> I liked a lot. Great song. There's something to be said. Great song. So, so I did some painstaking internet research, of course. And I managed to pull what are widely considered to be 10 of the most popular songs from that summer of 1995. And we're just going to uh, kind of go through them uh, rather quickly. Um, and this will take you fellas right back. Waterfalls by TLC. Ooh. That was you about gotta be. Remember, You Gotta Be by Desiree. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. I kind of like Waterfalls, to be honest with you. It was good. It was, who was the good one? The, one of them was really good looking in TLC. Was it Left Eye? Left no, Eye. No, she's the dead one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Left Eye is the one I always like. Left Eye was a real like man's man of a woman because she, remember, she she thought Andre Risen, her her NFL superstar boyfriend, was cheating on her, so she like she burned down, down their house. house. Yeah. Did you ever see the video of her driving when she yeah. crashed the car and died? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh yes, I did. All right, so. <laughs> on that note, we, we said, uh, you, gotta, you Gotta Be by Desiree, Scream, Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson. Yeah. Remember the duet? Yeah. Yep. Is that a uh, clip? Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman? Brian yep. Adams. Brian Adams. Wow. Boombastic, Shage. <laughs> <laughs> oh you Ought to Know, Alanis Morrison. Alanis. Oh. Yeah. Dave Coulier. Right. Decouillet was tapping that, right, in the movie theater. Um, Runaround, Blues Traveler. Oh, yeah, they were huge. Oh, my God. They were. So was John Popper at that time. Yes. <laughs> I Could Fall in Love, Selena. Which, uh, was you that post-death? Yeah, that, that was, was the posthumous release. And not for nothing. Had she not been gunned down by the president of her fan club, I don't know that that song would have been quite so popular. True, yes. Mm -hmm. um, Colors of the Wind, the theme from Pocahontas, Vanessa oh. Williams. You know, I kind of like that one. Mm. Okay, okay. I guess I'm alone there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and finally, Only Want to Be With You, Hootie and the Blowfish. Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, wow. That one, my God, I think that. I, I, I actually kind of liked that at first. I'm ashamed to say, but it it was just emblazoned into your brain so much that I, I just even the name of hearing the title just makes me like makes my body spasm. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they were everywhere that summer, weren't they? God, oh that was the summer of Hootie. It was. It really was. Oh man, Joe, what do you what are your thoughts on some of those songs? Were you into any of those? Um, to well, let's see. The TLC girl was chilly. That's the one you're thinking of, John. She was gorgeous, chilly. Man. and she was spicy. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was a hot chili. I really felt like that summer it was dominated. Uh, like I wasn't a big radio guy. I was more uh, trying to be rebellious, and you know, people would say, "Oh, I listen to the radio." I'd be like, "You know, I listen to what I want to like." like an AJ with a leather coat on when I said it. 
and <laughs> um, like trench coat mafia yeah trench coat mafia but um so and I we're gonna get to your your sentimental favorites momentarily uh we're those, this list of 10 were there any of those that that you ever bothered listening you know, to absolutely let's see i mean who do you couldn't get away from i mean me as a guitarist and a, a, like a songwriter i would try to to play some of those songs so like i would listen to to cracked rear view a little bit and um I would say that they they were they were what the world needed at the moment. Maybe who knows? They were that bridge between grunge and and where music was going. But um, the grunge guys, I think I saw some of the songs from '95 from those grunge bands, and um, you could tell they were kind of evolving. And the people who were still listening at that point were kind of like the lifers for the grunge. So, but the the mainstream world had kind of you know, pass them, pass them up at that point, I think. Mm. Grunge had had its moment at that point, Yeah, right? it had its peak, and we were done with the flannel and stuff like that. But um, I remember listening to Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman and, and thinking I was being chased by somebody in my car one night, and it turned <laughs> out to be a friend. It was like a 110-mile car ch chase on the uh, side road, so that <laughs> sticks with me. Um, That's disturbing. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's I know the things you 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 think of you connect these songs to, but um, <laughs> but yeah, the other stuff sounded like it was more R and B flavored. So um, probably didn't listen to a ton of that, but um, but I do have soul. You do. I, I'm sure, but you're, you're not a soldier. But I'm not a I'm not a soldier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was that the summer of of Gangsta's Paradise? I think it was but i think that song came out earlier in the year uh okay. that was from the movie with michelle pfeiffer right yes higher learning yeah yeah that's right no dangerous with minds dangerous dangerous minds, minds. Oh, dangerous yes. minds. higher learning was lou diamond phillips i'm getting confused right oh, isn't higher learning the one where tyra banks gets shot at the end maybe possibly that was great yeah that's that's a tragedy in any year <laughs> I mean, looking back at these songs, really the only one that I could say I still ever remotely enjoyed is maybe Boombastic by Shaggy. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say that, but it's true. Well, it kind of meshed with your whole ethos, John, let's be honest. You had a real sort of Shaggy vibe to your persona. I did, especially in his 2000-2001 era, where he, what was the song about uh, screwing a woman and then his girlfriend comes in? Oh yeah, banging on oh, the neighbor. It wasn't me, right? It wasn't me, right? It wasn't me. Exactly. Now that was a song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, for me, like a lot of the stuff that was on, on the radio at that point. Looking back at it, like there were some things that I liked, but it was almost like a, like a Stockholm syndrome liking kind of thing where I. <laughs> I heard it so much that I started to be like, yeah, no, I, I like this. This is, yeah. this is good. <laughs> and then like a few years later, it was like, what, what, yeah. what are half of these uh, uh, CDs that I own? My God, they're terrible. <laughs> kind of like the girls I might've made out with that summer. Like at <laughs> yeah. the moment, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And then you see a picture of them two or yeah. three years later and you're like, oh, Christ. Wow. Jeez. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how about we 
get stuff that we actually did like. Chris, do you want to uh, take it away there? Yeah, so, uh, you know, thought we could each give, uh, give three of our favorites from that, uh, from that era. The ground rules were kind of, uh, you know, just that it had to come out or be, you know, on the airwaves uh, at some point that summer or shortly before. Um, but uh, let's, uh, let's start up with our guest, Joe. What, uh, can you give us uh, one, of your, one of your three? Oh, give boy. us your number three, yeah. Um, this was a tough one. Um, there was a lot of blurring between 93 to 95 because I feel like there was things that I, I committed to in 95 that had come out years before, but I'll try to stick to 95. Um, I feel like you guys might have definitely um, thought of this song, maybe, um, but one of them was uh, Until I Hear It From You by the Gin Blossoms was like a big oh, God, summer yeah. summer song. and. Um, Kids these days, I you know, I never thought I'd say that line. Kids these days, they don't have that association with the, with the uh, video and the album cover as much as we did. And I just remember, yeah, I remember that song and that video, Empire Records, Liv Tyler. It was very like, oh, yeah. it was just, a, you know, it's much, much of a more sensory thing for us back when we were young, I think, than for kids now. It's more just like a digital thing. And you know, um, that was definitely one of my songs. Yeah, that was a, it was a hell of a song, too. I, that was almost on my list. I'm glad I didn't choose it. Big Gin Blossoms fan. I, they, had some, they had some great stuff. And that Empire Records soundtrack was fantastic. Definitely was. There's a, and the, the, the poignancy to this song was that the Gin Blossoms main writer, Doug Hopkins, was an amazing writer that I kind of was inspired by but he was very troubled. So this was the first single that, that they, they put out that Doug uh, did not write part of the song because he wrote all of their hits. He wrote Hey Jealousy and until, uh, Found Out About You, but he committed suicide. So I can't, I don't know when this, he, he actually shot himself, but it might've been a little bit after this or before this, but this was like the first time I'm like, okay, you did it without Doug. And um, well, they actually, from what I read, had to bring in a guest co-writer for this song. Really? Uh, so I believe it was the lead, the lead singer of Jim Blossoms. It was Robin and, Wilson, yeah. Jesse yes. Valenzuela, the guitarist. And, and they co-wrote it with Marshall Crenshaw. Marshall Crenshaw, yep, there it is. Oh, wow. Who had some cool stuff in the 1980s. Someday, Some Way was his big song. And you can sort of hear his, uh, his influence over... Till I hear it from you, but amazing song choice. One of my favorites from that era. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. John, what do you got uh, for one of your So, this was tough for me, but for my number three, uh, I went with uh, the boys from Dublin. Uh, as, as you guys know, U2 was my band in high school. Yep. Octone, Baby, and Zeropa were the soundtrack to my high school years. Um, in 1995, they came out of nowhere with a single that a lot of people have forgotten. Um, hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Kill me, yeah. Uh, which was an outtake, if you can imagine, from the Zuropa sessions. And they finished it off to put it on the Batman uh, Forever yeah. soundtrack. And I think it's just, I think it's one of their best um, harder rocking songs. I remember hearing it for the first time, driving around in that, 1985 powder blue Volvo station wagon 
uh, <laughs> listening to 92.7 WDRE, you know, the alternative rock station out of Long Island. And uh, I, I thought to myself, holy crap, you have another album coming out I didn't know about? No, it was just a song that they put on a soundtrack. But that song was everywhere that summer. And uh, still to this day, I think it's a great song. And I think it's some of Bono's best and most entertaining lyrics. Uh, I still love that line, they want you to be Jesus, they'll go down on one knee, but they'll want their money back if you're alive at 33. Mm. That's, there you yeah. go. Great That's song. Deep stuff. Yeah. yeah, and you had, you know, Actung Baby and Zeropa came out in the, you know, what, 90, like late 91 and then 93. 93 for Zeropa. And I just remember like, you know, it had been a couple years by that point and it was like, all right, when are we gonna get something else from YouTube? When are we gonna get something else? And uh, I remember that song coming out and it was like, it was just like a getting your fix, you know? Um, yeah, outstanding. It, it, it totally had that like Actung Baby, Zeropa vibe to it. That kind of, you know, it was like a little bit dirty. Um, it wasn't into the more wholesome U2 of like, all that you can't leave behind and that stuff. Right. This was no Joshua Tree. No. Interesting. So Chris, what was your number three? Uh, so my number three, I went with something, something by garbage. I went with only happy oh. when it rains. Good. Wow. Um, which uh, I don't know. I was really into that song. Came out in August of that year, so a little bit after we graduated. But um, yeah, I. You know that song. It's sort of like it's sort of like a, a anti-grunge almost. It, it's kind of making fun of like the grunge, you know, the the grunge movement and everything. You know, being so melancholy and you know everybody's so depressed about everything, and it's kind of mocking. But I, I don't even know that I got that back in high school. I just <laughs> like the song <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, it's got such a great vibe to it. Garbage has such a cool, unique sound, I feel like. Um, Whatever happened to them? I think I think they're still around. I think I looked up Shirley Manson not too long ago. I feel like, she, you know, she's always looking good for me. She's yeah, definitely, she's the edgy, you know, um, Dolores, like from the Cranberries. She just, she has a little more sex. Except she's alive. Yes, she is too. But um, they were great. I loved them. Yeah, definitely. Um, that song was great too. And again, I'm associate. I always associate covers. Like I see the pink cover with the G when I think of that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, what, uh, Joe? You have one right? for us? Yeah, let's see. Now this, um, this is gonna sh show some more of my soul side. But um, mm. I, uh, my second one. These were in no particular order, but um. The second one was was Water Runs Dry by Boys to Men. Ooh, good one. Great, great song. That, that was a song I feel like um I love that song and I could I would pull up and there's songs that you'd have the full window down, songs you'd have the window up. That was half the half window was down pulling up. Um, it was to show that you had some, you know, you had some some soul and some, you know, kindness in your heart but you weren't quite ready to show the complete world you know of it but um 
<laughs> I love that song. <laughs> I think it's their best song. I, oh, without uh, a doubt. Hands down, hands down. Like it seemed like it came from. It was cut from a different cloth, where it was just less about you know I'm gonna have sex with you, I'm gonna make love to you, I'm gonna do this. It was more like I don't know. It seemed like they had a writer come in and just like I don't know, go a different direction with that song. Yeah, that's a great one. Oh man. And and you know, sadly, that's one you never hear anymore. Yeah, you don't. It's true. Yeah. Um, I cover. I cover it. I cover it once in a while, you know. Huh. Right. I would like to hear that. It's on my Instagram. It really is somewhere. It's somewhere. Joe, do you want to plug your Instagram while we're talking about it? I'm good. I, I think. Right. Um, Never what's mind. It called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is on my Instagram. Is it really? Oh, wow. I got to hear it. It really is. It, it, Someone can some Google Joe Blesne and they'll, they'll find your Instagram. Okay. Yeah. That's all we need. Oh, man. I'd love to hear that. Um, John, what do you got for your. Uh, your second one here. A power pop masterpiece Ooh. that peaked at number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100 charts on June 10th, 1995. Look at that. Almost 20, actually just marked the 25th uh, anniversary of this. A quarter century later, I find it hard to beat this song. One hook after another. Sheer pop rock perfection. Sick of Myself by Matthew Sweet. Oh, yeah. 100% fun. Yeah, that's right. What an al what an album. What an album and just what a what a what catchy a is all hell summer song. Uh I that's a song I just never ever get tired of. Yeah, he 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 blew out the doors after girlfriend. Like girlfriend I I liked a lot, but sick of myself was like you love that song. It, yeah, it that got a good amount of radio play that summer, as I recall. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, and I feel like that's one that really holds up. I mean, you listen to that today and it's, uh, it's not Absolutely. really dated like a lot of the stuff is. He's one I haven't thought about and I, I, I've listened to him, but I haven't actively Googled him and put the 2020 next to the name to just see how horrible they look, <laughs> um, which we all do. I'm sure that we gauge, we gauge ourselves and say, oh yeah, like he's my age. Let me see how he looks. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> He's got to be in his 50s, though, late 50s. I'm oh, guessing. easily. Easily. You know, we, uh, on this season of Listen Closely, there was discussion of us, um, a deep dive on the Thorns album, which is Matthew uh, Sweet, as you know. But I think that got postponed to next season. But we will uh, we'll be sure to let you know, Joe. Thorns. That's Pete Droge and Sean Mullins, was it? You got and it. And Matthew Sweet. That's right. And Matthew Sweet. And Pete Droge and Pete Yorn sometimes... Not that I get them crossed, but Yorn definitely was better. Was better. I felt a little bit, but that's that's another. That's a whole other. <laughs> for the next episode. Yeah, that's for the all Pete's episode that we're gonna do in a couple weeks. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Chris, your number two. Uh, my number two. This is a song, John. I believe I can. I can actually remember the moment I first heard this song. John played it for me, um, when he was wooing me. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. Uh, came out in March of 95. Uh, it still, I think, is every bit as good today as it was back then. Uh, from Radiohead, Fake Plastic Treats. Oh, uh, uh, there we go. Yeah. I mean, that song. one was just one of those where I just heard it and just everything stopped. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. Um, it's It's so good. The lyrics are so good. It's got this, this incredible melodic 
tune to it. He kind of sounds like, it reminds me of like 1970s bread almost. With David, David Gates. Yeah, he does. He sounds like David Gates. Yeah. And like, I'm not, I don't know. I like Radiohead. I, I think some of their songs I really like. I'm not like a, like people who are into Radiohead are like really into Radiohead. I'm not like, a, yeah. I wouldn't consider myself a huge Radiohead fan, but that song, man. Wow. Beautiful. There's, I consider myself a huge fan of certain Radiohead albums, but like <laughs> you said, the band lost me, I think, after maybe OK Computer as like a diehard. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, same here. Um, but that, the Benz was like a class, such a classic album. Oh, it's great. Yeah. High I think it's the best. I actually think it's better uh, than OK Computer. Absolutely. Yeah. OK Computer was almost like the one to say you thought was the best just to look cool. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But the, Benz <laughs> but the songs was, on the Benz were much better. Those were just gut punch songs. Like, wow. Like, I think when I was starting to write more, I was understanding. Like, I could probably still, you know, understand better now the Benz when I listened to it in, in my 40s. And when I was in my 20s, I don't even think I could totally comprehend some things he was saying. And that's, I think, what something that's that timeless can do. You can look back, you know, more than two decades later and get certain lines like, holy shit, like this guy was such a high level of writing. Totally. The, the totally. only reason why that wasn't on my top three, uh, and because that is one of my favorite songs of, of that decade, probably of all time, I don't typically associate it with that summer. It's really not a a carefree summer uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> song, but, uh, but holy crap, is it just an amazing song. And yeah, I mean, it, it yeah. holds up so well. Joe, where do you feel like that falls on the windows down spectrum? Like, is that just windows up and you're just crying your eyes out? Uh, that is probably windows up. That's like, you know, 1 a.m., your breath, your breath smells of the Colt 45. You're, you're just, you're limping, you're limping home and you're just, you know, you didn't realize that the girl had that much back fat, but you, you still, there's something about her face that still draws you in and you have to put, you know, a song like that on just to, you know, yeah. tomorrow's a new day, but it's that, that night you're suicidal basically. Wow. Well put. So um, on that note, uh, Joe, what do you got for your third track? Oh, geez. My third. Now, there's, there's so many songs that run through my head. And again, like I said, it's, it's a blur between 93 and 95. But um, I don't know. I, I would say, and again, this is in no order. Another one of my big songs, I think, around the summer was um, Misery by Soul Asylum. That was really a, a favorite wow. of mine. After Grave Dancers Union, I was like, oh, how, how are they going to follow it up? And I felt like that Let Your Dim Light Shine album, was, it had so many really great songs on it. And um, I think they're a really underrated band, but again, they kind of lost me after certain albums. But that album definitely captured a bit of, of the summer for me. And that, that song, I, thought, I felt was just great. Totally. That song. That's a song I forgot all about. Yeah. yeah. It holds up. It really holds up too if you listen to it now. Yeah, that takes me right right back. That I feel like that's wow. so emblematic of that period. Man, and again, there's so there. many. Yeah, yeah. Good choice. John, what do you got? We got uh we got a couple minutes left here. So uh John, what do you got for your last one? So my number one song that still twenty five years later haunts me. Uh <laughs> 
uh, and still gets to me in ways that I, it did when I was 18. And it was released in May of 95. And I think it perfectly encapsulates any teenage romance going wrong or gone wrong or a summer fling that never quite reached its full potential. Uh, the artist is Chris Isaac. The song is Somebody's Crying. Oh, damn. Um, yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah. what he does in the course of two minutes and 50 seconds with this song is incredible. And it's, it's written and performed by a man who was like 40 years old at the time. Go figure. But um, I don't know. Like I said, it still haunts me. Do you, got, do you guys remember the music video for it? Oh, hell yeah. They're living that in that like little beach shanty somewhere on the Pacific yeah. with all the other random people, and they they surf by day, they sit at bonfires yeah. at night, and like there's this sense of tension and, and unhappiness uh, between him and the woman, and a lot of jealousy, and uh, it just I don't know. Whenever I hear the song, I, I go back to that summer, uh, which was a summer of uncertainty, I think, and. Uh, a very brief memory, if I may. Uh, Joe, I have a very fond memory, and you might not recall, of you actually playing this song that summer. Wow. Um, yeah, you, there was a... Beach a, Bash, was it? I don't no, know. well, you might have, but there was a little restaurant in Westport that you and John played at, and... Um, Holly's, yeah, Holly's. That was it, and yep. you guys actually performed this song, and wow. uh, I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. That was, I know, we loved that song. That was opening for um, Simon Townsend, who was Pete Townsend's brother, actually. It That's was a right. magical time, him and his son. Um, and we thought we were on our way. And unfortunately for John, I was on my way, but <laughs> it was actually back home and he went to see the Oh, man. That's yeah. awesome. That's an awesome memory. It is. I, I remember it very fondly, Joe. And, and, you know, one amazing thing about the song, and I know we're limited for time, but the song's called Somebody's Crying, but he only ever says that line once. once. And then he moves on to Somebody's Trying, and then he repeats throughout the remainder of the song, Somebody's Lying. Um, oh, yeah. It's just a beautiful, angsty, paranoid little ditty. Wow. Yeah, that's a great one, man. Isaac is, is a great one. Such a cool voice. Um, Chris, what about you? Uh, this one's kind of a sleeper, I think. Um, it was from an you know, unexpected source uh, who kind of made a little bit of a comeback with this. Wonderful by Adam Ant. Whoa. You guys remember that one? Wow, what a song. That, yeah, that was uh, just this beautiful melodic tune. And it, uh, you know, I mean, so unexpected from the guy who did like, what was it, Miss, Miss Goody Two-Shoes back in like 1983 or whatever. That's I mean, right. Um, it was kind of like his, his little bit of a resurgence. And uh, man, I, I just remember hearing that song and thinking this is, this is where I want music to go, baby. Um, just kind of beautiful and haunting and uh, fantastic. And everyone thought he was, he was poised for this huge comeback after that. And um, yeah. He had a nervous breakdown in a pub in England. Oh, that was the last that really? people heard of Adam Ant uh, for for the nineties. Oh it's my cool. god! Wow, it's amazing. Wow. Who it's amazing who, who you know breaks through and who stalls out and who stands the test of time, basically. Yeah, yeah. What a hell of a song! Yeah. yeah. So, in closing, final thoughts, final memories on that uh, that crazy 
hot summer 25 years ago? <laughs> For me, I, I think it's, a, I mean, it's such a weird hodgepodge of stuff, like you said, John. Um, I think the kind of mainstream stuff was uh, ultimately pretty forgettable, but there are a lot of diamonds in the rough, like all the ones I think that everybody has said here. Um, there, there's a lot of good stuff to pick through. Joe, what do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, basically, the 40s for me has been a lot about looking back. So, and what else but music can encapsulate such, you know, specific moments. And it's funny how you can remember something down to like the shoes you were wearing connected to like a song. And yet I, I don't remember if I left the oven on, you know, it's, it's, it shows how powerful that, you know, mem memory sensory memory is but um yeah, yeah listening yeah. to all these i mean it makes me want to go back and i'm gonna have to go back through the old you know catalog and listen to a bunch of these things again soon yeah totally totally there's well, nothing joe, quite like nostalgia absolutely nope oh, no. nope it's well, joe, thank you uh thank you so much for joining us this week joe it's been great my pleasure guys it's been great you know being on on the podcast and, you know waxing about the music we loved and we grew up with and I hope you come back and do this with us again soon, Joe. Absolutely. I'll check my schedule. I should have some availability. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Tune back in next Wonderful. week for, uh, for another Listen Closely. But until then, you guys take care. 25 years. God bless. You too, guys. Be well. Mm -hmm.